Herzlich willkommen zu Socks. Hello and welcome to Socks, so-called strangers. My name is Christine and I have called strangers to find out what we have in common. Aber egal was kommt, es wird schon was. Whatever comes your way, it's going to be okay. That was Michael. Michael is the stranger I'm meeting today. He's 22, he's from Germany. Let me tell you a bit about him. He grew up in a small city in the western part of Germany and he graduated from studies for higher intermediate services at the foreign office in Berlin. Um, he had the plan to enter this prestigious foreign service And while we were talking, he was speaking with great enthusiasm about his work in and outside his home country. And yet, he has decided to leave the foreign service and to move back to work in a German federal agency. And I thought, you know, changing this potentially really glamorous foreign service career and to work in public office, that sounded interesting. And... I was really curious to find out why he dared to make this decision and, well, if he thought he was daring in the first place. So I meet with him via Zoom and he is in his home office at his current posting and uh, German embassy, somewhere in the Middle East. Honestly, I was a bit concerned that I would be talking to him in this motherly tone because, I mean, he's he's 22, he's, he's as old as my child. But, you know, much to the contrary, he's so easygoing and so friendly and open. And it was really interesting to learn from him. I was happy to learn from him. So it was like reverse mentoring. Let me tell you a bit about this um, recruiting process for the training in the German Foreign Office. It's legendary in its demands. The candidates are screened, they're sifted in various rounds. They must have really broad general knowledge, excellent language skills. They undergo several tests like written, oral, psychological, super tough. And every year, only few, very few make it through. And one of them was Michael. So I asked him, what had motivated him? Ja, eigentlich eine gute Frage. Also ich habe das gesehen, dass man das machen kann und dachte so, das versuche ich einfach mal. Und habe ehrlich gesagt gar nicht so daran geglaubt, dass das wirklich am Ende klappt. Weil ich viel gelesen über das Auswahlverfahren und dass es so anspruchsvoll ist und mehrere Etappen und man vor allen Dingen gut sein muss in Sprachen. Und meine Sprachkenntnisse waren okay, aber jetzt auch nicht überragend. Und ähm, ich weiß noch, wie ich meinen Englischlehrer erzählt habe, ja, ich mache jetzt das Ausfallverfahren beim Auswärtigen Amt und er ist vor Schreck zurückgefallen und meint, oh Gott, da müssen wir noch das, das, das wiederholen, das ganz schwierig ist. Ähm, und hat dann am Ende Gott sei Dank geklappt. Und dann hatte ich diese Einstellungszusage und meinte so, hm, möchte ich das jetzt wirklich machen oder nicht? Und dann dachte ich so, auf jeden Fall, es ist irgendwie so ein großes Abenteuer, was ich machen wollte, die Möglichkeit rauszugehen, die Welt zu sehen und ähm, das mal auszuprobieren. Und was es dann wirklich bedeutet hat, das Auswärtige Amt zu arbeiten, was man so also ganz konkret macht, das ist mir dann erst im Studium klar geworden. So Michael says the great adventure had motivated him. The chance to venture out and explore the world. 
And then for three years, he studied at the Foreign Office Academy, a wide range of subjects, languages, and most of all, law and economics. Michael calls it a colorful mix of classes, but he was surprised about the number of rather gray laws, regulations, provisions, rules that he had to learn. He told me about the German naming law, and that alone must be a sea of paragraphs. Uh, really dull. So instead of being prepped for the great adventure trip, he was trained to become a civil servant. And he says, I wanted to be helpful for people abroad. And then I had to learn that there are always regulations and protocols which may prevent me from helping. And that made me think, because, I mean, how often have I wished that my government would just step in and help in a foreign country and just ignore whatever red tape. And I realized now that you cannot necessarily blame the people who work at the front lines if help fails. I understand that there are more people like Michael out there who might act differently if there weren't regulations preventing them from doing so. So I asked Michael about his best part of his training. And he says, well, those were the two practical semesters because practice sounded juicy, less dry than theory. And then he was assigned to work for his practical semester with the HR colleagues in Berlin who managed the payments for the employees all over the world. Hmm. Michael was a bit sad. That didn't sound at all like anything fun. And surprisingly, the job turned out to be really exciting. Some staff are employed based on German laws, some on local laws, and therefore the HR office needs to deal with a complex web of different regulations. What did you find inspiring, Michael? He says, you know, it was really interesting to learn how we communicate with our colleagues and how do we care best for their security. And I can hear in his voice when he says that, that it's really important to him what laws and regulations actually mean for those who are affected by them. And I think that is such an interesting spin. I mean, the job still meant juggling numbers, but Michael decided to approach it with curiosity and to look behind the mere bureaucracy. It was for him about the people and about communication. And I asked him, was this always something you cared about? And he says, yeah, it's, uh, I was always interested in communication, intercultural work, ecological projects, economic cooperation, fair trade, eco-transformation. So he's throwing all these terms at me and he gets really excited when he tells me about them. And I wonder, how does that fit into his career choice? And he replies, you know, other than an NGO, I thought a government agency would have more money, more people, 
and a much bigger scope for action. He thought he would be part of fabulous projects in foreign countries. So I have to think about this a bit. Michael, like most young people, had high ambitions as far as his values are concerned. He wanted no less than to make the world a better place. And he thought that his career plan would lead him to accomplish this goal. So the reality is that instead of like planting fair trade cocoa trees, he's now stamping visa applications. And if I were him, I would be so frustrated. So I ask him, Michael, are you disillusioned now to find yourself working in government administration rather than in some funky sustainability project? And he replies, not at all. Michael never lost his positive attitude. You get to learn such a broad spectrum of topics on the job. It's really amazing, he smiles. And he tells me that, for instance, he once had to take care of a prisoner in a foreign country. And that was the situation, he says, in which you get to learn about different cultures in a very specific way. Ja, also man ist inhaltlich, man kriegt man schon ein sehr breites Themenfeld mit und das ist super, super mhm. spannend, weil dann kann mhm. man hier mal in Gefängnisse fahren und die Häftlinge betreuen, das sind so Einblicke, die man sonst vielleicht nicht hat und wo man eine Kultur nochmal sehr, sehr spezifisch kennenlernen kann. Mhm. Aber auf der anderen Seite hat man dann halt, wie gesagt, sehr, sehr diese behördlichen Zwänge. Man arbeitet, es ist wie, als wenn man ein Bürgeramt in Deutschland ins Ausland gepflanzt hätte und man arbeitet in der deutschen Sprache mit den deutschen Gesetzen, ähm, mit den deutschen Gedanken und Mechanismen. Und es klappt halt manchmal nicht. Und es ist auch sehr, sehr schwierig manchmal zu erklären, wenn man dann Kunden oder Antragsteller vor sich hat und dann erklären muss, ja, wir machen das hier alles nach deutschem Recht. Und ähm, in Deutschland ist es sehr genau geregelt, wie eine Person heißt und welchen Namen er haben kann und welches nicht. Und ähm, da so ein bisschen die Verbindung herzustellen zwischen wie ist es hier vor Ort und was sind unsere deutschen Rechtsgedanken? Das ist ganz schön schwierig und manchmal auch ganz schön frustrierend, wo man denkt, warum muss das so penibel immer alles sein? And this was an excitement where Michael was very close to helping a person. Exactly what he had meant to do when he first got into the job. He says, you work against regulatory constraints. It's as if they take a German town hall and plant it into a foreign country. You work with the German language, the German laws, the German way of thinking, the German mechanisms. And sometimes it's so hard to explain to the local people. To make this connection, what is it like here and what is our German law rationale? That's really challenge, Michael says. And he says challenge, but you know, he looks quite enthusiastic when he says that. And I can imagine that it's exactly this making a connection, which he likes so much about his job. To connect, to connect theory and practice, to connect German and local law, to connect inquiries and their legal basis, and to look for solutions. Michael works currently in the consular section, and he's in charge of checking visa applications. Again, it's a field where loads of laws and rules must be followed. And I wonder 
If it's tiring to regularly bump into legal limitations. And he agrees. He says, yes, it's sometimes frustrating. And why does it always have to be so meticulous? And it makes me think. Because I try to imagine that every civil servant would strive to find the right solution for each individual case, right? It's not that we want machines to deal with our requests. We want humans, like Michael, who consider every aspect of every case individually. And we take confidence in the fact that all our laws equally apply to all people. And at the same time, we would like to see room for exceptions. But then who defines the exception and how? It sounds so easy, but in real life, like in Michael's job, it's a daily grueling task. I've noticed that when I travel, um, I detect some Germanness in me that uh, I usually not aware of. And um, I was wondering if it's it's the same for Michael. So I asked him if he noticed some typical German traits about himself. And he says, yeah, <laughs> with a laugh, he says, the classic, like punctuality, German reliability, and um, that he had to get used to the fact that things work differently elsewhere. So Michael tells me that when he was abroad, he sometimes felt overwhelmed when people directly started a conversation with him, like without warming up at all. And if they didn't come on time, and um, I have to laugh because... I remember I too, I used to struggle with people showing up late for dinner invitations just because it was customary in their country to ignore times. And I think I'm the saying, when in Rome do as the Romans do. Hmm. I believe it's important to accept and to adapt to local customs as a sign of respect. But uh, that doesn't mean that I have to like these customs, right? With all his energy and positivity, I doubt that Michael knows homesickness. So I asked him, Michael, how would you define your homesickness? And he answers, it's rather a lack of familiarity. I want to be able to communicate. I... I want to be able to solve a problem without needing the help of someone else. It's I, I just simply want to be more independent sometimes. It's true. In a foreign country, you're likely to need to invest more time to organize your daily life. But hey, isn't that just the appeal? I ask him to master these challenges. Ich glaube, es macht manchmal wahnsinnig viel Spaß, also gerade so sprachlich, wenn beide einem was erzählen möchten, aber es gibt keinen sprachlichen Nenner und dann mit Händen und Füßen und irgendwie kommt dann was an und es ist auch nicht so richtig und man sitzt dann, keine Ahnung, im Taxi und mal schauen, wo man rauskommt irgendwie. Das ist dann schon noch irgendwie sehr, sehr witzig, aber dann gibt es auch Momente, wo man denkt, boah, es nervt gerade irgendwie. Mhm. 
Yeah, he says it's good fun to communicate with hands and feet sometimes, but then his internet went down some weeks ago and it took him forever to find someone to repair it. And he says, I would have rather spent time with my friends than waiting endlessly for someone to come and for it to be fixed. Um, I'm asking Michael about his bosses, the ambassadors, and I wonder what he thinks of their position. Wenn ich gesehen habe, wie viel Belastung die haben, wie viele Termine die haben, die haben ganz oft überhaupt keine freien Abende ähm, und es auch viel Repräsentation, viel Gespräche führen und es wäre mir, glaube ich, ein bisschen zu unkonkret am Ende des Tages. Also ich glaube, das ist eine super spannende Position, aber für mich nicht konkret, nicht operativ genug. Und ähm, ich weiß auch nicht, ob ich mein ganzes Privatleben und alles, was mir sonst wichtig wäre, so weithin anstellen wollen würde, wie die Personen das tun. Michael values the ambassador's work. He says it looks interesting to him, um, but there wouldn't be a job level to which he would aspire. And I wonder why. And he says the work as such is not really concrete or operational. Hmm. I wonder if there is a profession where you wouldn't like to be the boss. But Michael explains to me, mm, I can assist a prisoner today in my job. I can see immediate success. But an ambassador works on a long-term political success. And that would be Michael's cup of tea. Well, Michael... What would be your cup of tea then? Because you're soon leaving this job, right? For his future career, Michael didn't look at what he had been missing. It's rather the contrary. In line with his sound optimistic nature, he looked at what he had enjoyed serving at the foreign office. For example, they rotate postings constantly. You never stay too long in one place. And ideally, you always work on a different job too. Das mitzunehmen irgendwie, man kann ständig in Bewegung sein und es kommt schon immer was Nächstes. Und man kann so wahnsinnig viel und es ist auch gar nicht so wichtig, dass man unglaublich viel weiß, sondern man kann sich in alles reinarbeiten. Mhm. Das war so die Erkenntnis, die mir gut getan hat, wo ich gedacht habe, okay, ist jetzt in meinem jetzigen Moment nicht das Richtige. Also mache ich jetzt mal was anderes in Deutschland und wer weiß, in fünf, sechs Jahren kommt das Nächste. Um, das fand ich so gut, irgendwie zu wissen, man kann ganz viel und man muss sich auch nicht festlegen für lange Zeit, sondern man kann in ein paar Jahren wieder was anderes machen und es gibt ja auch sehr viele Möglichkeiten, wieder ins Ausland zu gehen. You can always be in motion, Michael says, and there's always something new coming up. You are capable of so much. You don't really have to have a certain knowledge. That was such a revelation. It was truly helpful for me, he says. And this is the experience he would like to convey into his next step in life, to do something different now and again, and to expect the next challenge to happen. He says, I'm really good at a lot of things. No one has to commit oneself for good. If you're open, you can always learn the ropes. 
you know, I quite like the way he says that because he says it without a trace of arrogance. He's just very confident and very positive. And he adds, we don't need specialists everywhere. Just people who are happy to try something new, who are able to cover various areas as all-rounders. And that's when synergy creates something truly exciting. And I think that's such an interesting thought. Und auch zu sagen, ich kann so wahnsinnig viel. Es war auch irgendwie so eine Erkenntnis. So, es geht jetzt gar nicht um Wissen, sondern einfach, wenn man offen ist, wenn man gerne neue Sachen reicht, in alle möglichen Bereiche auch reinarbeiten. Und das fand ich so schön irgendwie, die Erkenntnis. Wir brauchen, glaube ich, gar nicht immer alles überall Spezialisten, sondern einfach Menschen, die Lust haben auf Neues und die so generalistisch verschiedene Sachen abdecken. Und dann kommt, finde ich, ganz viel Spannendes zusammen. Also wenn ich mir so mein Arbeitsumfeld angucke, was die verschiedenen Kollegen schon alles so gemacht haben im Überlegen und was in ihrem Leben und was sie dann so an Erkenntnissen mitbringen, es gibt dann so ein ganz neues Komposium, das, glaube ich, vielleicht genauso wertvoll ist, als wenn sich jemand jahrelang spezialisiert hat. That's such an interesting thought. Does Michael believe that a generalist who's passionate about his job is generally better than someone who's only specialized in it? Hmm. Michael has definitely seen that mixed work experience in a team was more valuable than long-term specific experience of a few. He believes that soft skills are essential today. Another experience from his, well, rather short professional life. I think it's remarkable how Michael reflects his personal development in those years, how he digs deep to figure out what is important to him, what limits him to live the best version of himself. At his age, I was seeking too, but I was rather stumbling along and stopping course, changing, turning was not an option. Michael, tell me what soft skills mean for you. Ich glaube, es ist einfach so die allgemeine Wahrnehmung. Das würde ich nicht nur auf mich sagen, sondern auch verallgemeinern. Ich glaube, dass jeder sehr, sehr viel kann und mit seinen Talenten sehr viel erreichen kann. Und ähm, genau, dass das, glaube ich, viel, viel wichtiger ist und wichtiger wird irgendwie. So Einstellungen, ist man motiviert, hat man Freude, ist man empathisch, ist man offen, möchte man Neues lernen, möchte man sich irgendwo einbringen. Dass das, glaube ich, ganz, ganz wichtig ist und viel wichtiger oder genauso wichtig wie irgendwelches Wissen ähm, in bestimmten Fachbereichen, weil das kann man sich doch relativ schnell aneignen und es ändert sich sowieso ständig. Und ähm, das war, glaube ich, so eine Erkenntnis, die ich gewonnen habe. Ich glaube, ich wollte früher immer viel, viel mehr ins Detail gehen und mich viel, viel mehr spezialisieren. Und heute finde ich die Vorstellung ganz schön, auch dass man einfach sehr, sehr viel Verschiedenes machen kann in seinem Leben und dass das auch sehr bereichernd sein kann. So Michael says soft skills are the right attitude. Are you motivated? Are you enjoying what you're doing? Are you empathic? Are you open? Are you flexible? Are you willing to learn something new? Are you willing to get involved? These qualities, he says, are consistent. Hmm. And you can always brush up on specific knowledge. And this 
specific knowledge is constantly changing anyway. Changes. He likes life stories with cuts or rather with bends. However, I ask him, to change a job requires a lot of courage. What if your decision was wrong? How do you handle the risk? Michael grins and he says, I'm changing from one public office to another. So uh, I don't call that a terrible risk. And of course, he's given it a lot of thought. And yes, it's going to be a big step for him. He also obviously likes and will miss many aspects of his current job. And you can tell from my tone, we've now sailed right into the Bermuda Triangle of intergenerational communication. It's just that our demographic background is, is so different. And he's 22. And he could be my son. So I'm, I feel I should tell him about the olden days. When my generation, when the boomers were lucky to find a job in the first place. And they would only let go of it if absolutely unavoidable. Let alone those freaks who would change their profession altogether. Michael's and my kids' generation, however, they can be so much more relaxed. They will not stick to the same job they start off with, let alone the same employer. I mean, less risk, less fun. Michael agrees. He tells me that whenever he talks to older folks about his plans, they would say, whoa, you're so brave, boy. I wish I had done something else. I wish I had done something different in my life. It's so great. And when he tells his friends about his plans, they would just remark, hey, good on you. And then they would talk about the latest movie or so and just move on in their conversation. Michael tells me fair enough about his experience with the boomer generation. He attended a seminar. Listen to this. Erinnert mich daran, als ich in Berlin studiert habe, habe ich ähm, ein Wochenende eine Fortbildung zum Lachyogaleiter gemacht. Und das war eine sehr, sehr witzige Kombination an Menschen, die da zusammengetroffen ist. Und dann gab es so eine Vorstellungsrunde, wer was macht. Und da habe ich den Begriff Slasher kennengelernt. Also da waren ganz viele, die hatten gar nicht einen Beruf, sondern haben dann irgendwie so drei, vier Sachen aufgezählt, die sie so nebenbei machen. Und dann auf ihrer Visitenkarte hat man so einen Slash mit so einem Streckschritt irgendwie ausgezeichnet waren. Und das fand ich auch yeah. irgendwie so einen ganz coolen Gedanken irgendwie. Yes, he attended a seminar to become a coach for laughter yoga. And he says, laughter yoga without prior notice. And imagine how hard I have to try to let this word pass by me without changing my facial expression. So he went on a seminar to become a coach for laughter yoga. And that's where Michael met some slashers. Slashers are people who connect two or several professions or careers or jobs. And they list them with a slash on their name cards like doctor slash potter, 
cook slash diving instructor and so on. And obviously Michael, our man for connections, absolutely loved this. And I asked him, and I sound like job counselor slash granny, doesn't constant job hopping and changing course lead to being rather unsettled? Einfach diese massive Möglichkeit, also Flut an Möglichkeiten, die man hat, setzt einen so unter Druck, ständig Entscheidungen treffen zu müssen und gleichzeitig immer irgendwie das oberste Ziel, würde ich schon sagen, Geld verdienen, Karriere ist alles toll, aber die meisten Menschen möchten ja irgendwie glücklich sein und das ist ja irgendwie noch deutlich schwieriger als Geld zu verdienen, weil das deutlich, wenn man da viel mehr wissen muss, das macht mich glücklich und das nicht und ich glaube, das setzt sehr viel unter Druck mhm. und dann der Druck zugleich mit, dass man ständig irgendwie Entscheidungen treffen muss, das kann, glaube ich, sehr, sehr belastend sein. Mhm. Und, ähm, das ist vielleicht so ein bisschen der Fluch der Freiheit. Mhm. Ähm, und es ist vielleicht einfacher, wenn man sich dann einen Job macht und dann halt noch töpfert und singt und im Kirchenchor ist und da irgendwie mehr seine Erfüllung rausschließt, anstatt zu denken, jetzt muss ich auch noch einen Job finden von den ganzen Jobs, mit dem ich so super glücklich werde und der mich total erfüllt und dann noch ein ganz tolles Hobby nebenbei und das noch studieren. Ähm, so ein bisschen vielleicht auch Selbstoptimierung und ja, immer zu hohe Ansprüche vielleicht und zu, ja, zu schwierige Entscheidungen. And Michael says, yes, there is a problem. The problem is that there is this massive flood of opportunities out there. There is constant pressure to choose and to make decisions. And he says, And I think that's that's really beautiful. He says, we're not primarily striving for money and a career. We strive to be happy. And that is obviously so much harder than making money. The questions are, what will make me happy and what won't? And most people feel intimidated by this question. And then he says, there's some sort of optimizing mania out there. Happiness. And then at choosing the best possible job to this. And people get overwhelmed. It's the curse of freedom, Michael says. And he understands that some people look for fulfillment outside their work life. One day, he says... I will have to realize that work does not always equal fun, that you don't go home every night feeling great. And that makes me think, how much fulfillment and fun can you expect from your job? How would the world look like if everyone only went to work because he or she deemed it fulfilling? I mean, when I have to deal with an unmotivated craftsperson or an unfriendly bus driver, I absolutely ask myself if they shouldn't have second-guessed their job decision, right? But hey, there's an armada of working people out there who think their job is, well, not great, but it's okay. And they're content with it. Wouldn't contentment be great, actually? Michael, what do you think? Ja, zufrieden ist vielleicht das gute Wort, weil 
wenn man irgendwie zufrieden und ruhig und angekommen ist, dann hat man halt nicht dieses von einem zum nächsten Hopsen und immer noch gucken, gibt es nicht doch eine bessere Möglichkeit und doch noch mehr Freiheit, die man nutzen könnte. Also mhm. das ist vielleicht das, das größere Ziel als glücklich sein. Ja. Michael agrees, contentment could be the right goal. As I said in the beginning, Michael is currently working in a country in the Middle East. And we talk about prejudice and generalization now, because there are various, mostly standardizing, often wrong perceptions about the country he's working in. And I personally, I get really irritated if people voice their opinion about a specific country that they only know if at all from the news and I say that to Michael and he being the diplomat he is he has a more distinctive view on this he thinks it's all right to have an opinion hmm. and he argues you can actually get a pretty realistic picture from the media these days ob die vielleicht sogar mit den Kindern dann in Deutschland zur Schule gegangen sind und noch mal eine ganz andere Vorstellung haben, das weiß ich nicht. Ähm, Wäre aber auf jeden Fall eine spannende Frage. Mhm. Und ansonsten würde ich ganz klar sagen, ist Vereinfachung, ist aber auch wahrscheinlich einfach, es gibt so viele Länder auf der Welt und so viele Sachen, mit denen man sich mal beschäftigen könnte und wo man so viel Interessantes lernt. Aber dann ist ja die Zeit jedes Einzelnen doch sehr begrenzt. Ähm, mhm. Woher soll das Wissen herkommen irgendwie? Also ich könnte auch nicht jedes Land in Afrika jetzt exakt auf der Karte Einordnung benennen mit der Hauptstadt. Also da hätte ich auch meine Schwierigkeiten irgendwie. Also vielleicht ist es dann doch auch einfach sehr menschlich. Also, he says, there are many citizens in Germany who once immigrated from those countries and some have lived here for several generations. And younger people have had many points of contact to be better informed. Michael concludes, there are so many places and facts out there worth studying, it's impossible to expect that everyone should know precisely what's going on in every country. That's just human. Hang on, Michael. Do you mean that if people judge places without knowing them and I judge those people without knowing them, that's equally wrong? Yikes. Again, something I should learn from him. I wonder if Michael has some sort of motto. And he tells me a story um, from his school years when he had an internship some years ago. He met with the CEO of an NGO and the lady told him about her planning challenges as NGOs often work project to project and they have to negotiate their budgets over and over. And what he found so surprising and interesting, he recalls, was the optimism and energy this lady radiated. Despite her uphill struggles, she inspired him, he says. And when she told him, whatever comes your way, it's going to be okay, he has taken this affirmation to heart. That's His motto. We finally talk about Michael's upcoming job. It 
It's a job um, that will basically entail supporting German citizens who face discrimination. Sounds very, very interesting, very challenging too. I'd love to catch up, Michael, in a couple of months. Talk about it. Okay, don't be a stranger. In diesem also, Sinne, ein schönes Wochenende. Sinne. Vielen, vielen Dank und ich melde mich, ja? Perfekt, super. Viel Spaß tschüss. beim Schreiben. Tschüss. Ja, danke, tschüss. This was Socks, so-called strangers. I hope you enjoyed the episode. A transcript in English and German and photos of all episodes can be found at socalledstrangers.de. For questions or comments, please contact me at socalledstranger, one stranger, at gmx.net. Don't be a stranger. <laughs>